Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Janelle Williams. Janelle holds a master's in public health and has worked with government and nonprofit organizations for several years before starting her professional organizing business in December of 2016. As the owner and lead organizer, she assists families, small businesses, and professionals to create systems that help them declutter, simplify, and increase efficiency. Her passion is assisting clients with understanding the why behind their clutter. Janelle is also a published author, speaker, and has been featured on local TV as well as online magazines. In the episode, Janelle shares her top tips for organizing every space of your home, critical mindset shifts we all need to make to get and stay organized, her approach to buying organizational products at places like the Container Store, and more. Before the episode, I want to share one of my favorite delivery services with you, Dry Farm Wines. Dry Farm Wines produces natural wines that are lab-tested to ensure they're sugar-free and lower in sulfites and alcohol. Every single bottle of Dry Farm Wines is also made with organic grapes, free from all industrial additives, and fermented with 100% wild native yeast. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wines, conventional wines... Even the super high-rated, expensive ones end up giving me headaches, and they just make me feel overall gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm Wines, I know you're going to be immediately hooked after your first order. To get a bottle of natural wine for a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash thehealthinvestment. And one more quick thing, if you've been enjoying the Health Investment Podcast, I would be so grateful if you'd write an Apple podcast review. Reviews not only provide me with great feedback, but they also help the podcast gain traction and get discovered by new listeners. To leave a review, simply visit thehealthinvestment.com review. It only takes five minutes to do, and I truly can't thank you enough for your support. All right, let's hear from Janelle. Enjoy. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Janelle. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I can't remember exactly how I found you on Instagram, but then once I did, I started DMing you and harassing you to get you on here because I just really wanted to pick your brain and I just love everything that you post. So I'm so grateful that you are giving us your time today to share everything about organization and clutter. Oh, thank you, Brooke. I'm so excited to be here and um, and talk with you today. Awesome. Well, could you start by just sharing your story and then specifically what led you to become a professional organizer? So for me, I've always been an organized person from the time that I was a little girl. And, you know, it's not something that I personally thought like was a like when I'm thinking of a job or a career, this was not something that came first to my mind. Um, and for me, I've always wanted to work in public health. So I pursued a public health degree. Um, however, you know, one of the, the things that kept coming up, whether it was at my job or, you know, in my home, was people would always 
um, talk about my organization skills and how great I was at it. You know, at work, they wanted me to do a lunch and learn and the topic was going to be on organization. And then my friends would constantly come over and say to me, you really need to teach people how to do this, like to live like you do. And so it kept recurring over and over again. And so when the opportunity presented itself, when I had like a little life change with my oldest, um, I finally decided to take the leap and start the business. And that's basically how I started my professional organizing business. Oh, that's so interesting. I can really relate. I would have not always been an organized person. My mom was really the organized person growing up. And I remember my childhood bedroom, just clothing and everything just strewn about to the point where when my dad came to visit at college, he commented, he just was in complete disbelief that my room was then clean and orderly because I really kind of latched on to organization, I think, when I was in that small space of a dorm room and I couldn't just make my room a mess like I did at home and then retreat to a cleaner area in the house. That's how I kind of think about it. Uh, but yeah, it hasn't always been in me, but then I really became kind of obsessed with decluttering and organizing and similarly all of my colleagues when I used to be a teacher would comment how I was the most organized person they know. So I would say it's kind of a blessing and a curse I find sometimes because sometimes I get a little too in my head about wanting everything to be super, super organized. But I think <laughs> overall, I think it really serves me well. Um, so I don't know, maybe I was an organizer in a past life or something, but I can <laughs> definitely relate um, so just to kind of dive into some of the specifics, you say to identify the essential and eliminate the rest. And I love the way you say that. Why do you think that is so important to do? And is that something everybody should do? Or you think it just serves some people? You know, I think that is one of the most important things when we're talking about organization, you know, um, a lot of us just have things in our home and they don't necessarily have a purpose. They don't necessarily have a place. And so that is why, you know, this resonates with me so much, why it's so important when I'm working with clients or, you know, teaching a workshop or wherever I'm, 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 I'm talking about my message. I want people to know that it's really important to look at your surroundings, look at your environment. And we're not only talking about your, your physical space here. We're also talking about ment mentally, physically, in terms of your health, pay attention to the things that are most important and eliminate the rest. And, you know, that will really help with the clutter issue because, the thing is when we when we're constantly surrounded by clutter and and disarray it really affects our mood and makes us feel sluggish and unmotivated so really this idea of really honing down on what's important what's essential and prioritizing that and leaving everything else you know to get rid of i think is is so important when we're talking about getting organized and organization so that can really help all of us, any person listening, it's not just for people who feel like they want to kind of clean up their life. Just any person can really benefit by identifying what's essential, eliminating the rest, and then kind of organizing those remaining things into a way that serves a purpose more. Yes, definitely. That's, that's exactly what it is. I think it's interesting, just as you were saying that, I feel in our American culture, we have this emphasis on owning things. And I know you said it can go even beyond things. So I'd love to kind of dive into that. But then we have all these stores with boxes, like the container store comes to mind. And I love the container store. But sometimes when I'm in there, I've had the thought that maybe you shouldn't just be buying a new container to organize more stuff. Maybe getting rid of the stuff first would serve you better. And then, you know, I don't know, to me, it's like, oh, let's buy more stuff. Let's buy more containers and more and more and more. But I think your approach is really let's take away and then see where these containers might come in. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And one of the things that we as professional organizers talk about constantly with clients is, 
the idea here is to look at the process and not the product, right? And so that's why really decluttering first before you even decide to do any sort of organization is really imperative because that way you get to see what you really have, what's really important, and then you kind of plan, you know, plan your approach, plan your process, plan your products if you if you want to buy products based on that. You know, I think one of the big issues that we have is we're just buying stuff to contain our clutter and not mm-hmm. necessarily what's imperative and essential. Right. That seems to be such an issue I've just kind of seen or do you take the, I know Marie Kondo comes to mind and she has this extreme sort of take everything out and lay it before you so you can see everything and go through things one by one. Do you take that approach or what is your, what are your steps you teach people to let's say declutter a closet? So I think it really depends, you know, Myself as a professional organizer doing this professionally, I'm not doing this necessarily by myself. And so I do take that whole approach of taking everything out, going through those things by category, of course, and then figuring out what what you're keeping, what you're donating, what you're getting rid of, right? So I do agree with that. Now, if you're someone who's taking this on by yourself, it's a different situation. I always tell people to make sure that you're starting small. So, you know, in essence, you really are doing the same steps of taking everything out, um, categorizing them, and then kind of figuring out what's staying and what's going. However, you're going to start small. So while I might take on a garage, right, and, and, and take on that same process of taking everything out, clearing everything out, and what, and what I just explained, for someone who does not do this as a business um, and just the regular person, I would say to start with maybe one section of your garage, one count, one 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 counter, one one um, shelf, right? Take everything off of that, and then kind of go through that whole process of taking everything out, figuring out what it is that you need to keep, um, and and donate and discard, and then you know once you complete that shelf, that little space, then move on to the next. So while I do agree with the process, I think it really depends on the person. If you're someone who gets overwhelmed very easily, do not take on a big space and do something like that because what you'll end up doing is causing yourself a lot more drama than actually helping, you know? Because sometimes there's the other thing of it gets worse before it gets better. And that's something that that we as organizers talk about sometimes as well is that, you know, sometimes um, in the process, it's going to get a a whole lot worse before it gets a whole lot better. And a lot of people get stuck at that. It's going to get worse before it gets better point when they're taking it on by themselves. So it's really important that you start small. I think that's such a good point and such a good mindset shift to have that it's kind of, I work in a space more with people with nutrition and weight loss. And it's the same type of thing where you tackle one tiny piece at a time and then eventually it all adds up to big change over a long period of time. But, you know, we're taught just in society and especially in the diet and weight loss industry that, you do this fad diet for three weeks and you change everything about your life and then nothing is sustainable. So I was just really thinking it's kind of the same thing with organization. I think we've all had that moment where we empty out the entire closet. We have big plans and then we just see everything laying around us and it feels so, so overwhelming. So I love that idea of just, you know, maybe do like you said, a shelf in the garage or your shoes and plan to do it over time rather than just all in one day. Uh, What are some of, I know you say you like to help people get to the whys behind their clutter. Mm -hmm. What are some of the common whys that people have for just gathering so much clutter to begin with? You know, I really think it's, um, it's just a mindset. Um, And sometimes it's how you grow up. Sometimes, you know, it's just, you have uh, a shopping habit. So it's different things for different people. You know, um, what I have found really and truly is that sometimes 
people are just shoppers and they like to accumulate things. And because of that, that's what causes their clutter. And so for me, as as a professional organizer, what I'm trying to do is to really shift your mindset away from, let's just not buy things just because we have the ability to buy things. Let's just not bring things in our home, whether we're purchasing them or getting them from somebody else um, and store them in our home just because, you know, let's make sure that whatever we're bringing into our home has a purpose. You know, sometimes there are people who are shopaholics and just because there's a sale, they want to go out and buy the latest thing on sale. But it goes back again to your mindset. Do you really need that item that's on sale? And if you don't, then don't bring it into your home. And and that way you can keep clutter at bay. You can kind of stop it before it gets to a place where it gets out of hand. Yeah. I When you're saying that, I was thinking this whole culture of two-day shipping must really be a nightmare for <laughs> professional organizers because, you know, you can help with a big project and then all of a sudden all the stuff comes back within a few weeks because you just start stocking up again. But that's such a key point of just tackling the mindset part. Uh, when you said there are other spaces besides just physical spaces, so what exactly would you mean by that would you mean like someone's phone even or like the i'm thinking the apps on their phone or what are some others but email what are some other spaces that people can declutter so you know i always like to tell people that there are several types of clutter so there's emotional clutter there's digital clutter um and then there's the physical type clutter and so one of the things that a lot of times leads to the physical clutter is that emotional clutter that we have, whether it's from a divorce, whether it's from the death of a loved one, whether it's from having a baby that's born, any sort of life change situation. That's what I'm talking about in terms of emotional clutter. And that really can have an effect um, on us mentally, right? It, 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 it overwhelms us so much that we can't take on the, our physical space. And so that emotional clutter that we have that we haven't dealt with causes our physical clutter. And then there's the digital clutter that uh, a lot of times keeps us from being able to prioritize. It keeps us from spending our time wisely. And for me, that's things like apps, um, things like documents that we may have on our uh, computers, social media sometimes can be um, a source of digital clutter. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about the different types of things that clutter our that that are not just spaces. You know, um, it's it's many different types of things that come into play that kind of lead to that physical clutter that we have to learn to deal with as we're dealing with our physical clutter as well. You mentioned things like divorce or having a baby. So I imagine that decluttering after a life event like that, just kind of getting rid of things that maybe hold some type of emotional or sentimental value can be really difficult or after a death, let's say, what tips do you have for decluttering things that hold some type of emotional charge for you? So that part is always difficult. Um, when we're dealing with sentimental things, I kind of like to leave those things for last because oftentimes when I'm with clients and we're, we're dealing with sentimental things, we're going down memory lane. We're talking about every single item and going over the memory of that item. So one of the first things that I like to say to clients in terms of that is number one, try not to tackle sentimental things until you are ready. So I want you to kind of be in a certain mindset um, to be able to go through those things and not be so emotionally attached to it that we can kind of figure out, you know, what you can keep and what you can, um, what you can get rid of. So that's the first thing. And then really having some sort of accountability. Don't ever do something like that alone because um, it can be detrimental to your 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 mental health, right? Um, just going through those memories, whether they're good or bad, it can really deter you from, from the task at hand. 
So it's so important to have accountability. If you're not going to hire somebody, then have a trusted friend or partner or someone who can be there with you to make the decisions about the things that are there. And then really understanding that, you know, it's not about the thing, it's about the memory. And let's treasure the memory and find another way that we can hold on to that memory without keeping the thing. So those are some of the, I guess, strategies that we use when we're working with sentimental items. Do you advise taking pictures of things ever? Does that work or that's not really a strategy? I think taking pictures is is a great um, strategy and I love that strategy. I think where that becomes a little iffy is how many pictures are we taking of things, right? So that goes back to really identifying what's the most essential, what's the most important memory that we want to hold on to, and then kind of deciphering from that what we should take pictures of. It's not that we're taking pictures of everything, but again, even in in the sentimental things, we're trying to identify the most important things, the most important memories, and that's what we should take pictures of because then what that leads to is sort of digital clutter, right? And so, you know, we're really trying to make sure that there's some sort of balance where we're not creating just because we're getting rid of physical clutter, now we're creating another type of clutter. So really that goes back to identifying what's the most important, what's essential, and then figuring out what we can eliminate. It's so funny as you were just saying that I had this flashback to my mom at the end of every school year you know how there's just loads of children's artwork that you do every year and you bring home all of these things, which at the time, you know, she was thinking, I don't want all of this, all of Brooke's artwork in the house because there's too much of it. So we had a pool table. So she would put a white sheet over the pool table and lay out all my art from the year. And then she would say, choose, I don't know, one or two of your favorites. So I would, and then she'd just take one picture of the whole pool table and I think just throw it all out. And at the time that worked for me and I thought, great, I have a picture of all those. And then it's just funny. I never, ever looked back at any of those pictures, but I think that seems like it was a good strategy that she employed to get me to feel like I was still keeping the stuff without physically keeping the stuff in the house. Yes, I love that. You know, I do something very similar with my kids. Um, We really go through those things at the end of the year. I don't necessarily take pictures, but I say to them, okay, we're going to have one or two things that are left over from all of this. And, you know, I think it's really important for parents to do things like that with their children, because for me, teaching and going through those things with my kids when they were much younger, it actually really helped me. it actually helped them, I should say, as they got older, because I saw it trans. I saw that skill transfer to where, you know, at the end of the year, when they have all these papers and handouts that they've gotten in school, they now do their own process of decluttering and going through and figuring out what's most important and getting rid of the rest. So I love that that she did that with you, and I, and I and I did something similar too. I do that with my children. That's cool. So then I guess since we're on the topic of kids, what about things like kids toys? Do you do a similar process every so often where you do a kind of audit of the toys? I definitely think, you know, doing, um, what do you call it? Uh, quarterly. So I always suggest doing some sort of quarterly Uh, declutter or assessment of your items, um, whether that's children's toys or, or anything else. But one of the main things that I try, messages that I try to get across to parents in dealing with kids and their toys is that the less they have, the less they will have to manage. And so it's important from the very beginning, right, that we're not giving kids all these toys, whether it's from us or the family members or the grandparents, whomever, right? It's limiting the amount that they have in the first place. And then what I want parents to do is really do that um, assessment, whether you feel it should be monthly or, you know, weekly or, you know, quarterly or seasonally, you kind of have to figure out 
when it is that you can do that assessment of their items, right? To see what it is that they're playing with, what it is that they're not playing with, what do they gravitate to? What it, what is working for for you and them and what's not working? When we pay attention to our kids, um, and the things that they play with, we'll notice that they really gravitate to certain things and not to everything, not to everything. And so I'm big on rotating toys, meaning you keep a certain amount out and then you have a certain amount um, stored away and then you switch it out. So I'm big really on rotating that. I'm big on doing some sort of assessment where you're paying uh, attention to what they are playing with and what they're not, and then really getting rid of those things. And especially when it comes to like birthdays or Christmas and, and, and times like that, that's when you need to be doing thorough assessments of what it is that they have and um, making sure that what is there is something that they're going to be using and decluttering at that time. Because, you know, what most people end up doing is oh, we're buying more toys. So let's upgrade our toy storage. Let's buy more things and store the toys. And that is the wrong kind of mindset. You know, it's really, let's pay attention and see what, what, what resonates most with our children? What are they most using? And then that's the stuff that we need to keep and, and get rid of things in order to bring in new things. That's a great point. Uh, I think I've had the kind, I don't have kids yet, but I've had the same attitude for myself just around Christmas. If I get a new article of clothing, it's kind of for me, one in one out, not exactly that, but I had mentioned to you that I lived in New York city. So after college living in a small dorm, I moved to only small spaces for 12 years in New York city. And I think I was just kind of forced to edit because there just was not enough space. I always had a small closet and barely any storage in the kitchen. So I just got really conditioned to not buying things I didn't need and just really, really editing it down. And my husband is the same way. So, you know, we kind of both take that approach and we both start to feel even claustrophobic in our closet if it hits three or four months and we haven't gone through and really assessed what we wear and what we don't wear. So that really reassures me what you just said about kids. Cause I've always thought if I had kids, I would go crazy because there's just so much stuff that people talk about, but I love that approach and what a good idea to, to kind of keep some toys separate and how fun as a kid to have some new toys every so often when you kind of rotate them in and out. Yes, definitely. I think that's um, that's such an important point. And one of the things that you brought up that I try to do with clients without them really recognizing it is really um, limiting the amount of storage, right? Because ultimately, the more space that people have, the more they're going to want to put in that space, right? So something very important that you just said is when you start to feel claustrophobic, when you start to feel like it's just too much, right? That's the time that you want to declutter. I'm trying to get people to where we're not even getting to that point, right? Because they're they're already at that point before they even reach out to me. And so I am trying to get to the point where I'm going to limit you on the amount of things that you're going to bring into this space because you're going to be um, in this little court in this little box right here. I'm going to put these parameters around it so that you are not tempted to go outside of those parameters. And so that's why with me, especially when I'm working with clients, I am not big on buying big, huge storage pieces because I want you to contain it. I want you to keep it at a at a level that you can maintain it. So, you know, the less storage items you have, the less you're gonna be tempted to 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 bring more, to 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 store more, right? And you'll be forced to actually do that declutter ever so often. Mm, yeah, I love that. I even find now that we live in California, we live in a slightly bigger space. But we do have more stuff than we had in New York, just by nature of having more space to put it. So I think that's such a good point. And I think, you know, I'll see people buy a bigger house to have a kid, but then maybe they're having a second or a third kid. And then just comments I hear is, oh, I have so much stuff. So we have to move to a bigger house. 
But have you had the experience where you actually help people, let's say they're having a second or third kid and they declutter the house they're in and then they feel like there is space to grow their family in that existing home? You know, I really haven't had um, a client that I've worked with in that capacity where that um, that is something that happens. But I, I would find that most often when I do work with people, you know, they're always complaining that they don't have space, right? That's one of the biggest complaints that we hear. I don't have space for the amount of stuff that I have. But again, I'm going to go back to our earlier point of what we were saying. Once we are really doing an assessment of that person's space, right, and we go through that whole declutter process, then they really realize that, oh, I really do have space. It's just that I have too much stuff. And so, you know, it's a process, a mindset shift, a whole thing that we have to go through in terms of, you know, allowing people to understand that you probably do have the space that you need. It's just that you're not using it to the best of of the space's ability. It's just that you just have too much stuff for that space. And so eliminating the things that you really don't need or really that really don't serve a purpose anymore really opens up that space for people. Um, so that's what I've found really in working with clients. That seems like such a critical mindset shift. And I I would agree. I always hear that, oh, I don't have enough space. We have to move. I don't have enough space. Or I have to buy, like you said, larger organization um, so it's really the stuff, not so much the space. It could be a mix of both or maybe how you're using the space, but really the stuff has to be the first thing we kind of critically examine. What are some other critical mindset shifts you'd say that help people to get organized and then stay organized? So I think the whole thing of... Um getting over the letting go, right? That's a whole process that we have to go through with people and then really buying with a purpose. We're not just, you know, buying things to fill our homes. We're buying things because they're essential to the running of our home. And, you know, I, when I'm saying this, I'm not saying that we cannot have nice things. I like nice things. I like to have certain decor items. I like to have nice clothing. But I think there comes a point where you have to really do an assessment, right? And realize, okay, this is not serving me. And so I need to do something that um, that is going to help me to live that life that I want to to live that life that I want to to live, to have that simplicity in my life that I want to live. A lot of the times I tell people, you know, we work so hard to create these living spaces. And for the most part, we really don't get to enjoy those spaces because it's either that we don't have time to, right? Because we're so busy working or we there it's it's so it's an environment where we want to escape from, you know, there's that thing that um I say, create that space that you don't have to take a vacation from, that you don't want to take a vacation from. So again, I'm going to say, you know, getting over that mindset of letting go things and getting over that whole shift where we're just buying things without a purpose and we're really defining, you know, what. What's the purpose of things in our home? And when we're talking about letting go, one of the things that I work with clients when we're working uh, with them is as we're going through the things, we're going to go through the the pros and the cons of of keeping that item versus, versus giving the item away. Because I think that's one of the big blocks that people have is this is expensive. I've spent so much money on this and now you want me to give it away? Yes. Now you want me to get rid of it? Yes. Because the thing is, you can't get your money back from whatever it is that you have spent, right? You can't get your money back because you've already used it, whether it's clothing, food, a gadget, you've already used it, you've already taken it out of the box. If it's just sitting there and you're not using it anymore, it's not really serving a purpose in your home anymore. Think of it as passing it on to someone else 
who can benefit from it, right? And so those are some of the things that we're discussing, some of the things that um, the, the, the mindset changes that I'm going over with clients as we're working with them to declutter and get their home to a more organized um, capacity. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Just what could somebody else gain from this? Or even I'm sure your clients start to notice just a lightness or a freedom when they start to get rid of some of the clutter. So even if something's expensive, giving it away could give you so much more peace and comfort in your home. Um, So, you know, like you said, you're not going to get the money back either way. So do you want it sitting there or do you want it gone so that you can gain something intangible like lightness or peace exactly exactly and so you know that's often when i'm when i'm working with clients that's often and we have a blockage like that that's often what i'll say to them is what is your intent here what are you trying to do here the reason why you called me is because you're you're feeling overwhelmed by the stuff by the space and so if we're trying to create um a space that is going to be more simple is going to help you to be more creative is going to give you more peace of mind let's keep that in mind let's think about that and then let's go through these steps that's going to create that for you mm. I'm wondering, I brought up the container store because I do love a good trip to the (laughs) container store, but what are some, I mean, that place alone is overwhelming because there are so many gadgets and things, but do you have any go-to items in a space like the container store that are your favorites that we could all kind of bring into our home to help us organize? You know, I wouldn't say that I have a favorite product. Um, per se, because as I said, you know, one of the things that I try to do is I really try to work with clients on, on, on the process and not necessarily the, the product, right? So I don't really mm-hmm. have um, a specific product that I think um, is essential. What I would say is really don't go overboard in terms of don't pick things that are too specific, right? Because you want to make sure that you're getting things that can translate. So I'm very big on getting items that can move from, you know, childhood to adulthood to, to, to wherever that can transition with you throughout the course of you being in a space, you being in your home, right? So, you know, I don't like child specific storage things or, you know, the shoe specific um, storage things. I am more, let's find something that works well for the space that can grow with the space, you know, whether we use it for something, um, for something specific right now, and then we don't need it for that anymore, then we can use it for something else. So those are the products that I kind of gravitate more towards um, are things that can be multifunctional. Mm, That's a cool mindset shift in and of itself of just going there. You don't have to buy the thing with the picture of the shoes on it to organize your shoes. You could just walk the store, even not even the container store and just find some type of shelf system that you think is cool. Um, So do, do you advise then whenever you're kind of buying some type of organization product to maybe think of a few different ways you could use it so that it is multifunctional? Oh, yes, definitely. You know, one of the things that I love doing is is using something that was created or made for something else. Like, like you know, they, they have advertisements for specific things that are tea organizers or for specific things that are shoe racks or bookcases. I love using those things in ways that people wouldn't necessarily use them, you know, so I'm focused more on function than whatever you advertise that thing to be, you know, whatever I can find um, that will work well in a space um, that can be used for multiple uses. And like I said, that can grow with that person. That's what I more gravitate to. That's what I advise people to gravitate to. And um, just don't, because the thing with the container store And I like the container store for this, but 
it's a catch-22. The thing with the container store is that they can get very specific in terms of the weirdest little gadgets for something that you wouldn't even think of. You know, that's what the container store is good for. However, you know, what happens if you don't need it for that thing anymore, right? Then you kind of defeated the whole purpose, in my opinion, because now you have something in your home that you can't really use anymore. So it's it's looking for those multifunctional pieces that can translate anywhere in your home, whether it's the bedroom, the bathroom, the kitchen, wherever, you know, looking for those pieces and 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 purchasing those pieces, I think for your home is the best. That's a great tip. I would say that checkout line area of the container store too. That's where they really get you. <laughs> they have all those yes. things that are $5 hanging on the wall and you think, oh my gosh, if I don't have this to organize my keys, how have I been living without this tiny little key ring thing? Uh, but that's a great point because then you're just really adding more clutter, <laughs> Yeah, which is not the goal. Uh, that was such a cool tip. Do you have any other sort of unconventional or quirky tips that you use that you feel other organizers, other organizers may use them, you know, professional organizers like yourself, but maybe we, the commoners who aren't doing this for a profession that we might not know or do? I mean, use every single space in your home. Um, I think that's what I have found that people are not doing um, is that they're not using every space efficiently, right? So whether that's underneath your bed, um, underneath your sink in your bathroom, it's really using every possible space that you can find to store the things that you you really need. You know, after you've done that assessment and everything, if you find that you know, you really do need that additional storage space. It's really looking for those spaces that are unconventional, that people wouldn't think of to store things um, and using those spaces for the extra storage that you that you, that you kind of need. And really, one of the things that we advise to clients a lot is, you know, when we have too many things on the floor, that makes things look cluttered, period. And so going up, you know, building shelving that is is on the wall, uh, using that vertical space, that's really important when we are looking for additional storage in any space. And it really helps to keep that visual clutter um, at bay. So those are kind of two tips that I would say we use uh, regularly. <laughs> I love that. Uh, aside from not using every space really well, what are some of the other big, big mistakes you often see clients doing? Um, the whole not labeling the bins. So that's one of the big things that I think I see with people is that I have purchased all the bins and I put the bins in wherever it is that they're organizing, but nobody's listening to the system. Nobody's doing what I've told them to do. But then I look at the picture and I'm like, the bins don't have labels on them. So how are people identifying what's supposed to be in them? Besides you, of course, how are the other people identifying um, that? So that's one of the big things that I would say, don't just buy bins, assign a purpose to the bins, And the way that you do that is through labeling, right? So that everybody knows your system. Everybody knows what it's for. So that's a big one that I see everywhere. You mentioned that you enjoy nice things and you enjoy having things. And I feel the same. Um, So I think that sometimes when you kind of broach this topic, it can feel like, oh, I don't like clutter. So I'm this minimalist. And I don't buy anything. And I know some people do go to that extreme. But have you found that this whole kind of fascination with minimalism has even taken people back a step or kind of repelled people from decluttering because it seems like this unattainable lifestyle? Or do you think it's helpful that there's podcasts about minimalism and TV shows and things like that. I think that's also a catch 22, you know, because um, I think it's important to teach people to live with what is necessary, what they need. 
But there's also nothing, there's also nothing wrong with having luxuries, right? I, I totally believe that, you know, if you can afford it and it's in your budget and you want to have the luxury things, that's fine. To me, it's how much stuff you're, 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 you're putting in that space, right? To me, it's how much, um, when you're living outside of your means, when you're just bringing too much in the space, when there's no rhyme or reason to the things that you have in your home, that's where I think the, the problem or the issue is. And, and I do think a little bit, you know, when people see spaces on Pinterest or Instagram or wherever, they're thinking, I have too much stuff. That's not um, realistic for me because I don't want to mm. be a minimalist. And we're not talking about minimalism here. You know, minimalism is what you make it. Some people might think that I'm a minimalist, but I'm looking at other pictures and I'm like, I'm definitely not a minimalist. <laughs> I'm just a person who likes order and things in their place but I have stuff in my home. But the difference is I have defined what's essential for my home and that's what I keep in my home. And so while it might look minimal to you, it's it doesn't feel minimal to me. So again, I mm -hmm. think that goes back to what's your definition of being organized? What's your definition or you know, what, what is it that, what is, what are you trying to create in your space, right? Stop looking at everyone else's definition. Let's think about what you're trying to create for your space, for, for your home and thinking about, you know, what's essential for your space, you know, for somebody having a big, a pool outside might be essential for them. For me, that might feel like too much work, you know? So mm. it's really defining um, I think what it is that you want your life to look like and, um, you know, not really looking at minimalism as a hindrance to getting organized because it looks different for everybody. I love that. And I also, just as you were talking about the luxury things, I was thinking of just a mindset, a mind shift I've had in terms of clothing where, I think when you're younger, you kind of buy into the whole fast fashion and you're constantly buying new stuff at Forever 21 or wherever. But now I'd like to buy some really nice pieces that I feel great in and that fit me well and that will last rather than new clothes all the time. So I do feel like I have fewer clothes now, but I have some really, really nice clothes and just little mindset shifts like that, or, you know, for someone else that might not matter at all. But for me, that's something I've decided is important to me. Um, so I, I do enjoy your kind of unique, you know, every person has a nuanced, individualized, personalized approach to what they want their decluttering and organization to look like. And it can look different for everyone, but there is still kind of a line you know, it's almost seems if you're looking at a continuum, there's a gray area of kind of, yeah. you can fit somewhere in here. And then when you go beyond that, you probably have too much that again, like you said, is kind of taking up brain space and making you feel sluggish and probably don't want to live in that area, but you can define your own definition of organization within sort of a gray area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so grateful for your time. And I ask every one of my guests a final question, which is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? And feel free to tackle this if you want to talk about it from an organizational standpoint or just an overall health standpoint, however you want to go, go about it. You know, so when we talk about health investment, to me, what I think about is that our health is our wealth, right? Um, and that's in all areas of our life. So, you know, without our health, we can't make money to do the things we love or to even buy the things that we love. So it's imperative that we sort of invest in doing things that will help us to maintain our optimal health. Um, so to me, that's what sort of what health um investment really means. And when we're talking about getting organized, it's not just about our physical spaces, but really the health of our home. That's such a big thing to me, especially coming from um, a public health background, because we understand and we know how much, you know, uh, too, uh, being overwhelmed by clutter can affect 
us in terms of stress. And stress is one of the big factors that affects our health, whether it's, um, you know, our mental health or, or physical health, certain conditions, it's because of stress. And so that's why I think just as we invest in going to the doctors, just as we invest in, you know, a gym or healthy foods and things like that, I think it's really important for us to invest in the health of our home because it, it, it in essence affects all areas of our life. So that's, that's what it means to me when I'm thinking about health investment. Mm, for sure. As you were saying that, I was just even thinking about my counter space. For me, I just do not like stuff out on the counter. We have some stuff on the kitchen counter, but I don't like to have a coffee maker out or a toaster or just the more stuff on the counter makes me feel overwhelmed. And then maybe even makes me not want to meal prep or cook just because I don't enjoy the space. So that's such a good point that you're saying of something like that, even of just making your counter more clear may pave the way for you to want to spend more time cooking nutritious foods and prepping things for your family. Um, But we may not always put those two things together. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I am so grateful for you. And again, I, said that I'm kind of a declutter organization nerd myself, but I learned a ton and I can't wait for my audience to hear this episode. Where is the best place for everyone to follow and find you? So you can find me on Instagram, which is where I live the most, um, at Organized by JWC. You can also find me on Facebook at Organized by JWC. Awesome. I love when it's just streamlined and it's the same... (laughs) On every social media platform, that's lucky that, you know, your name, your handle was available on both. I know I'm different on Twitter than Instagram and it gets kind of confusing, but awesome. I'll put links to both Instagram and Facebook in the show notes so people can quickly find you. And again, I'm just so grateful to have spoken with you today, Janelle. Thanks for giving me your time. Oh, thank you so much, Brooke. This was a great conversation. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.